1: <laughs>
2: that oh that gave me a fantastic idea that will never happen uh, so who's the guy that mumbles from king of the hill
1: Boomhauer. uh f- fuck what's that where is this file uh-oh uh give me a minute can do what file are you uh, looking for uh, the file of the thing that I just, I did research on last night. My drive, Cryptopedia research. Ready for broadcast. Okay. Well, I think I still have it. Where did I even save that? Like, it was on my list I of recent files. I don't know.
2: I think you can sort from the top level file folder tree for, like, all your files. And you can sort them by uh, date last fiddled with. I had to do that once because I thought I lost something. I also, oh which one was it? It was uh, it was episode one of our very early episodes.
1: So one of the bad ones.
2: I lost a significant portion of my audio track. Yeah. So then I had to (laughs) re-record.
1: Which I don't remember that. You
2: couldn't tell. I did a very good job because I I, I really, like, basically sat with my back to everything and was just reacting again the way uh, to your stuff. And I could also tell by your reactions
1: what I would have been saying. Oh, God. (sighs) There's a part of me that feels really upset about that because that makes (laughs) me feel like... Our our conversations are more or less predictable.
2: Oh no, they're not. Like a like so it it is two takes. It was a take of me doing genuine reactions and then putting in markers whenever you didn't react to what I thought I said, but I could tell by what your response was oh, what I exactly okay. it was that I said, and then <laughs> it was it was a nightmare.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it was
2: it was, it was in one of the first four episodes oh, <laughs> and then guess, guess when I started uploading all of my, uh, uh, and, and saving uh, copies of all the voice tracks well, to, I uh, guess, the Google drive. <laughs> I guess that explains why that started
1: happening. Oh boy. Oh. I was wondering why you were doing that for a while. Yeah,
2: no, it, it's cause I, uh, lost some data. And then I did a, a system restore to a date I knew that I had it, but oh, Windows, when you do a full system God. restore, doesn't save media files.
1: That's terrible.
2: Like, it was, it, I put a significant portion of work trying to, to recover that file, doing like, you know, restore, full, like, whole system to a previous state and all that.
1: Lisa was asking about the PS4.
2: What, what game is she playing?
1: Uh, Dark Cloud 2, I believe. Okay, cool. Break um, right, StarCloud too, right, Lisa? Yeah. Um
2: also so so when you when you mumbled before, I was thinking what if Boomhower did uh that kid rock song, to Bow Badangada and Diggy Diggy.
1: Boomhauer didn't do that kid rock song?
2: I guess not. I also had a very weird dream last night.
1: Okay, so dreams are always the most the best thing to listen to. Dr- so let's no, no,
2: do it. It's legit. So one I knew I was dreaming in the dream, but couldn't do anything about it. Because I, okay. I was like, huh, this is weird. But it was a zombie dream. So as outdoors, which one, that's a bad move. But mm-hmm. there were zombies. But here's the thing. Zombies weren't dead people bitten by zombies. Zombies were just violent, irrational people that you had to hide from.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. there's a few There's a few jokes that I'll make, but it might alienate some of our listeners, so I won't make them. <laughs> That, and then uh, I lived for the whole dream, um, mm-hmm. but
2: then there was a groundhog that almost fucked everything up because I, I had a a super dope camouflage tent, and uh, but then there was a groundhog kind of like pawn at the outside, so I kept like flicking at it, like, "Get out of here, get, shoot, scram, scram!" <laughs> and then there, there was there were two other people. They were whole cloth fabrications of the mind, and they were just unhelpful.
1: I mean, you always have to have at least one unhelpful person in a zombie apocalypse scenario. And that person is John. (laughs) Well, no,
2: that, like, I found him, and I was like, oh, dope, okay, you guys seem rational. And then they just wouldn't talk, and then they ran away. And I was like, come on. This is the worst. This is the worst. That's very good. It was was a hell. (laughs) Oh, man. Just irrational people and and people that are of no help.
1: <laughs> it's... My uh, my dreams are usually just nightmares, like shapeless voids that I can never really pin anything down. Yeah, so that's fun. Well,
2: I n- usually never remember them, but this one was particularly interesting. Describing it did no justice. It was a whole. So it wasn't like that blown out Walking Dead feel. It was like a Romero esque kind of feel Uh, to it and the other thing was
1: um i was actually literally about to ask
2: the outdoor area was a a because i was looking around at all the geographical features and i was like oh this is clearly these several areas from when i was growing up but Mm -hmm. just sort of blended together to fit within the like essentially one block area where the dream actually took place so i was like man i was like this i was like this is pretty cool they did a good job. That, that tree's from my, my grandmother's neighbor, and it's here, it fits that, but it doesn't necessarily fit with the geometry over here. It was cool. I was, I was sort of analyzing the dream within itself, but then also had to avoid the violent and irrational people.
1: That's, that's kind of wild. Was this like <laughs> a REM state dream, or was this like one of those like twilight states, you know, when you're about to wake up? You know Oh, no. I, I was full about. blown
2: s- sleeping. Okay, Sleep so sleeping. So it was like
1: a full on REM dream. Yeah. That's kind of wild. Uh, it
2: was it was fun when it lasted, and then after a point, I was like, "Man, I just sort of want to wake up because this is this is just uh. tedious." They they became to be a lot of tedium because it was sort of like, "I wonder how well my brain uh, uh, replicated that feature over there." But then there's a violent, irrational person, so I guess I won't get to check that out.
1: Yeah, I mean, most dreams are just efforts in tedium. Yeah. Um, also, most zombie apocalypses, when there's not moments of pure terror. It's a lot of boring shit. Yeah, it was mostly boring shit. Yeah, I mean that's what happens. You know, you gotta you got you gotta boil water. You gotta make sure you have food. You can't go to the supermarket because that's where all the fucking zombies are. Yeah, unless I mean, it's more like Fido. Fido. Uh, which one was Fido? Fido was the one that that the they owned the pet zombies, right? Yeah, they had they
2: had the pet zombies, and then Fido was one of the like them being pet zombie and then i guess they had him on like a game show for a little bit
1: i remember you were really into that game, that movie in like high school yeah it the, was a fun um, one it's all that's also kind of like the end of uh sean of the dead then
2: yes yeah yeah so i think the end of Shaun of the dead might have been um not comping but sort of like saying like here's an homage to another zombie movie that we all really like and thought that it'd be worth making people go, oh, yeah, that thing. Oh, Um, I
1: finally saw – that reminds me. I finally saw uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. What's that? You don't know Into the (laughs) – you don't know that? No. It's the Spider-Man movie. It's got Miles Morales as the main character. Okay. I I don't
2: know them as, like, in titles. I'm just like, oh, it's the –
1: It's the animated Spider-Man movie. The one that – yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Was it good? It was phenomenal, right on. Um, it was like an it was weird because it was an origin story, but it didn't feel like an origin story. Yeah, because um, it's basically Miles Morales' origin story. Because I mean, most people who don't read the comics are not as familiar with Miles Morales. I feel like. Yeah, um, or if you play the Insomniac game, you'll know who Miles Morales is as well. But mm-hmm. um, it, it, I think it's more or less a introduction to the character for the general audience okay so they can start doing stuff with him because he's actually a really cool character cool and they also introduced to general audiences spider gwen Mm um who's spider gwen spider gwen is easily one of my favorite marvel characters because she's like what if gwen stacy was the one who got bit by the spider yeah and it's pretty dope
2: spider gwen's awesome
1: Oh, what are you doing, so what's this episode about, Brandon? Because I saw a episode... post about it.
2: Oh, that's that's part two. So so okay. if, uh, uh Oh, another two parter? No, no, no. The second half of the first uh, of the the one copy. Okay. So it's sort of a here's the typical, and then here's the atypical is, is how that's broken out. can let me just move this real quick. I have um, cases of guitar picks. And the cats, when they try to look out the window, hop on top of the pile of cases of guitar picks and knock them all down, and they have to put them all back. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's annoying because none of them are cheap. There, that,
1: yeah, that's that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much cats. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, my go-to, my typical one's a ten-dollar pick, and then I've got a bunch of those, and I've got a couple that are like seventy, eighty dollars.
1: Eighty-dollar picks.
2: Yeah, they're made from a, a, a thermoplastic that's used in um, the ball bearings of racing yachts. But the, the nice thing about them is that they don't wear down. So you essentially buy the one, and as long as you don't lose it, you have it. Um, so... And they also don't chirp when you hit them on the string. So there, there's, um, they, they, there's just less you have to take care of if you're trying to record with them.
1: So here's my question for you. Yes. Because I'm an ignorant dumbo. Yes. um, wh- Where are their ball bearings in a racing yacht?
2: In the um... wheels?
1: <laughs> because, I mean, I-, I assume that it's in the, the jig for the sale, but... <laughs> I I don't know.
2: So the manufacturer tells you, like, this is why we're charging this much. is because the material is expensive and it's used in the bearings of racing yachts. And I, I forget what the material is, but using that information... Um and my job, which involves a lot of being given very little information and needing to find very specific stuff, I did find that material and found its cost per. If you were to order blocks of it, mm-hmm. um, and, and it seems like it was actually a reasonable price. Okay. Um, I forget what it was, but for the listeners who are like, "Huh, there's Bigfoot on this icon." Uh, welcome no, to there's, crypto.
1: <laughs> there's nothing about cryptids in this podcast. I no, don't know the- why people listen to this podcast. <laughs> It's not about cryptids. Uh, Turn around.
2: Go away. Yeah, it's uh, Welcome to Cryptopedia. It is an exploration of the myths and legends that haunt the human mind. Each week, we will take you on a journey exploring the mysteries of the world, tackling tales of monsters, folklore, and the paranormal, and that thing that definitely lives under your bed. I'm Brandon. I'm John,
1: and his name is Bob.
2: Bob? Bob that's the big name.
1: That's the name of the thing that lives under your bed. Oh,
2: there's... Okay, that could throw me in a whole tangent, so I won't. Um, yeah. Just look up the Princess uh, books by Patrick Rothfuss. It's fantastic. It's kids' books for adults. If you read them to a kid, it's all like a happy book. If you have the context of the world as an adult, it's a horrifying book. And it's fantastic how he could write like that. Um, this week's cryptid has no original discovery date that I could find. It's humanoid in appearance. It lives in Central Asia and is still seen today. Do you have any guesses of what it could be?
1: Could you tell me the appearance again? Because I zoned out because I was looking up Patrick Roth's books.
2: It, it He did Name of the Wind. Um, but, books no, 1 no. and 2. And then the Princess series, which is the adventures of Princess and Mr. Whiffles. Yeah, um, I see this. Yeah, it's fantastic. You can see him doing a live reading on YouTube. Um, so it's humanoid in appearance. A uh, uh, It's a hairy humanoid biped that lives Mm -hmm. in asia is still seen Mm -hmm. and i couldn't find an original discovery date
1: well i mean if we're talking about asia there is the yeti but i don't think that that's what you're talking about
2: i'm i'm not can you think of any other asian bigfoots uh
1: sun wukong no but i love that movie oh man i don't don't know i I don't know which one it's hard it's hard with uh humanoids because there's so many of them there are so many of them and they're basically Uh, all variants on bigfoot they are today we're talking about the almas that sounds familiar to me
2: yeah it it was a big one there used to be a lot of um things about it on uh tv and media and then i think in recent years you haven't heard as much about it Mm. um and i think there's a reason uh which we might get into later
1: uh so the almas what which band there's a band i googled the almas and a band popped up oh okay (laughs) and i just said i googled uh my google thing like my okay google yeah Uh, thing popped up so there's that (laughs) oh no and then it popped up again when i said okay google (laughs) (laughs) so i'm having fun oh yeah
2: the Almus or alma translates from mongolian to wild man it is a purported humanoid uh cryptozoological species uh reputed to inhabit the caucasus and pamir mountains of central asia and the altai mountains of western mongolia It is considered to be more akin to uh, wild people in appearance and habits than the uh, Yeti and apes, uh, in contrast. So it's more of a human-sized
1: kind of hairy wild guy. So it's kind of like the thing that I talked about that looked like me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What was that, the Polish wild man? The Polish wild
2: man. Yeah. Yeah. All misses are typically described as human-like bipedal animals between 5 and six and a half feet tall. Their bodies are typically covered with a reddish-brown hair, and they have anthropomorphic facial features, including a pronounced brow ridge, a flat nose, and a weak chin.
1: Sounds like Henry Zabrowski. Sounds like Henry
2: just running through the Asian
1: mountains. So basically, basically yeah. if Ben Kissel is the Bigfoot and then Henry Zabrowski is the almas. He is the almas. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. I think that I think just normal
2: Henry running through the mountains is uh, a little bit more scary than uh... <laughs> I I honestly
1: think normal Henry running through anywhere is a little more scary. Yeah, <laughs> because he channels he channels this level of he has this like je ne sais quoi to him.
2: Yeah. No, it's pretty fantastic. It's I mean
1: I love the dude. It's just He's he's next level.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, many cryptozoologists believe there is similarity between these descriptions in modern reconstructions of how Neanderthals might have appeared.
1: Well, okay. When you say many cryptozoologists believe... Okay, continue. <laughs> in
2: 1420, a then 40-year-old traveler named Johann Schlittberger... Wrote in his journal about these creatures uh during a time he was captured by the Mongols.
1: Schlitberger. That <laughs> sounds like the like like that sounds like a brand new thing that <sighs> Schlitberger sounds like it's that new burger place that opened up on Main Street and you're just like,
2: is it good? Schlitburger sounds like it's a burger joint. But they also come with like you can get a uh, a bottle of whiskey and a brand paper bag with it.
1: Mm, yeah, no, it definitely sounds like it sounds like a place that exclusively caters to alcoholics. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We'll get, we'll get the new uh, the, the Schlit Burger is a triple bacon cheeseburger, and it also comes with uh, uh, really twenty four ounce of, of hot beer at Schlip yeah. Burgers. Yeah. <laughs> so he writes, I was one of five Christians who went with him into the Great Tartary. First through the country uh, called Strana, then through the country called Gersey. After that, he passed through a country called Lachenshan. Then he traveled through a monstrous country called Setzulit, uh, where there are many Christians who have a bishop there, and their priests belong to the Order of the Shoeless. Now, two items uh- of note. There was a a ton of uh, other stuff that he had i edited all of it out the point yeah. is this guy traveled they went a distance
1: yeah i noticed i noticed that there's a lot of ellipses in there
2: yeah basically every time there's an ellipsis just imagine i redacted almost a full paragraph because yeah, bl- it is is describing the countries
1: I'll believe that. I've read. I've read literature from the 1400s podcast. <laughs> I know what it's like. Yeah, <laughs> I know what it's like. That's why whenever I do a modern cryptid, I'm happy because usually there's an article that has like links to newspaper articles I can read, and you know it sums it up nicely, and you know it's it maybe takes me an hour to read everything, whereas when it's the 1400s, it takes me an hour to read one one source. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Also, Mm -hmm. I noticed you have a question mark next to Christians. Um, Oh, no, that was – so that was in the translation
2: of the original article. Okay. Um, They did that sort of thing where they add in brackets words that they believe uh, should be there for context but weren't written. You see that in, in like, modern newspapers and stuff where someone's just talking, Mm -hmm. and then you see if you're reading the written transcription – they, uh, if they insert a word that might have been dropped, but put it in brackets.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because it's a part of, like, the way that he would speak and all that. Business. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, okay, gotcha.
2: Yep. Uh, I did try to find more uh, about the order of the shoeless, but I had no luck. The first hit is a bar called Shoeless Joe's, where someone named Tammy uh, said the noki was slimy.
1: Isn't Noki generally slimy? Uh, maybe I'm thinking of something different. Yeah, yeah. Like it's generally a little, it's a little slimy, right? Like, yeah.
2: yeah but Tammy didn't like Shoeless Joe's Noki.
1: Well, well, maybe Tammy, maybe Tammy doesn't understand what what Nochi is. <laughs> I'm looking up Shoeless Joe's right now. Are you? I wanna okay. I want to see what their logo looks like. I, mean, I don't know that they have a logo. Do they have a logo? That they do. It's a sports. It's a sports grill. Yeah, There's thirty locations. Uh, they have a three-pound order of wings. Oh God. Um, they're called Dusted Wings, which uh, it has it has four thousand six hundred and ten calories in it. Oh man, that's like two days worth of food in one one like yeah. Quarter. I wouldn't recommend that. No, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't recommend all. it either. Like, wait one sec. How much is this? How much is this menu item? I'm on their website. <laughs> oh, Are you on their website? <laughs> yeah, I need to know. Uh, dusted. This is a great bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, most of it's gonna be cut down.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, Forty five dollars. Oh. Holy crap. Which, uh... Hmm. I mean, we're talking about about a buck a wing. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know if I'd spend $45 on forty fifty chicken wings. Because here's the fact of the matter. That's too many chicken wings. That's too many chicken wings. You can't enjoy them properly. You cannot enjoy them properly. No, because they're going to... The problem is they're going to get cold by the time you get to the end of them. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's probably for for groups of people, but I'm not going to get, <laughs> I'm not going with a group that's going to eat 50 chicken wings. Well, I do know a few people who are
2: big eaters. Yeah. So. I was going to say, we, we could probably go with, with another person that would eat 50 chicken wings. <laughs> yeah. We, we've got,
1: we, we know enough people. We could probably throw together yeah. uh, the chicken wing eating party. Yeah. <laughs>
2: now the son of the above named King of Tartary and who was named the Zagre, uh, had come to Edegi, um, again, my pronunciation on this. Who knows? Um, that sounds went, about right. Yeah. He went uh, with him to the above-named country of Isaber, and they traveled for two months before they arrived there. There's a mountain in that country, which is 32 days journey in extent. The people there themselves say that the extremity of the mountain is a desert, uh, and that the desert is the end of the earth. I mean, basically. Uh, yeah. Uh, they also said that the same desert, uh, nobody can have a habitation because of snakes and wild beasts and the Mongolian uh, death worm and the Mongolian death. It's entirely possible. Um, and was, the
1: dragon and the, dra- <laughs> yeah. that one dragon never forget he, about the he, dragon. He's a
2: dick. He, he won't kill you. All he does is he, he, if you bring water, he just knocks it out of your hand. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, uh, on the same mountain, there are savages who are not like other people and they live there. They are covered all over the body with hair except for the hands and face and run about like other wild beasts in the mountain. They also eat leaves and grass and anything they can find. The lord of the country sent to Ed- Edigi, uh a man and a woman from among these savages that had been taken in the mountain. So
1: uh, I'm reading this. Yes. Well, you're reading this and I'm listening and reading. Um how is this any different from any description that like European explorers? Oh, they're all the same. They all they all sound like this anytime they're de- describing a native tribe, I feel like. Yeah, they all write like, the exact same way. Like uh, I I I bet you I I I mean, this is conjecture. I don't mm. have proof. But I bet you I could find them talking about someone talking about like Native Americans this way. Oh, you could probably
2: find a, a, an explorer talking about anyone in this way. That this is just
1: how they write. Those damn Germans. Those damn Germans. Um, but yeah, so like, I'm not like this. This description one, it's yeah. very biblical. First, of all. yeah. Well, that, it's it's it, that old
2: writing. They, yeah, they, none of it flows.
1: Well, this is one of those things where if I saw something like this in modern times, I'd be like, oh, they're trying to bury the lead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're trying to hide the fact that this is a thing. They're they're deliberately being roundabout in their language, yada, yada, yada. The mm-hmm. fact that this is in 1420 makes me realize, oh, they're just copying the Bible. <laughs> it's entirely possible. I mean, it's like the only thing they read at that yeah. Been,
2: So Yeah. And Garfield.
1: Yeah, it's weird that Garfield was around in the 1400s when it started in like the 80s. Yeah, but I mean, when when the uh, when Garfield Collection 23 fell through the, that time portal, it really screwed everything up, didn't it? That would be fantastic to see, like wood carvings of Garfield,
2: <laughs> or even better, Garfield minus Garfield.
1: Oh my god! You know what? <laughs> Here's the thing: if if I ever got access to a time machine, yeah. because of the notion of causality and all that stuff, I, I probably wouldn't change the course of history that much, which sounds like a really shitty thing, but like once you start mucking about in history, things get mucky.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd probably advance the, the, um, the technology that created the Shamrock Shake, um, but fair. outside of that, I'm not sure how much I
1: would do. I'd probably drop an anthology series of Garfield back through the time machine, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> then destroy the time machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh... I feel like I feel like I, w- I would want to see the implications of that on uh, human like like humanity. Because mm-hmm. think about it, you have modern paper, modern ink, mm-hmm. modern bookbinding. Modern technology depicted in the books. You know what I would do? I know exactly what I would do. I'd take
2: my time machine, mm-hmm. and I would Truman use that to do a Truman Show-esque prank on the band Ludo and make them live Broken Bride.
1: You know, you say that, but there's no there's no evidence that they didn't get uh, Broken Brided. You're right. A, a lack of
2: evidence is absolute proof. It is, it is. (laughs) Or at least that's how most of our sources seem to think. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Yeah. That, by the way, is one of the earliest accounts I could find that describe the dietary habits of the Almus. And they uh, appear to describe it as an omnivore. They eat mostly leaves and berries and the such, but they'll eat anything they can get their hands on. Uh, Later... A Nikolai Prezwalski, a Russian geographer, was exploring a similar region where Johan first heard of the Almas. Nikolai writes that before arriving in Kansu, we heard from the Mongols of some extraordinary animal uh, which ranged through the province and is known to the inhabitants under the name Kung Gurasu, i.e. the man-beast. So I want to take a second.
1: I'm looking at this image of Nikolai, Mm -hmm. Nikolai. Yeah. And he reminds me of someone I can't put my face on it. Stalin? Finger on it. But yes, he does that's it. That's it. It's Stalin. He I just I also like just Stalin. said I can't put my face on it. Um <laughs> I mean, you're was, up late, you have a cold. I, I think I have a cold. I don't even know anymore.
2: <sighs> oh. We were told. That had a flat face like that of a human being and often walked on two legs. Uh, That its body was covered in thick black fur and its feet are armed with enormous claws.
1: That's dope. (laughs)
2: Like, that's cool.
1: It needs a pedicure.
2: It's also a much uh, uh, better description and his writing is way easier to read.
1: I mean, (laughs) yeah.
2: Johan. Yeah. Uh and that its strength was terrible, and not only were the hunters afraid of attacking it, but that the inhabitants had removed their habitations from those parts of the country in which it visited. These accounts were corroborated by uh, Tangurans in Kansu, who one and all declared uh, to him that the animal answering the above description inhabited their mountains, Uh, but that it was rare. When he questioned them if it was not a Blair... A Blair... If... Ugh. If it was not a bear, they shook their heads and assured us that it was not adding that they knew well enough what a bear was like.
1: So that comes up a lot in cryptid stuff. And I've been reading, yeah. a, I actually been reading a lot of like books, like just generally about cryptozoology and not about, yeah. you know, what have you. Like there's one that I'm reading called like Astonishing Something or Another. Yeah. Um, I, I posted it to Twitter recent ishly. Mm-hmm um but basically the idea is a lot of a lot of uh cryptozoologists will assume that because there's a story that that instantly means it's based off a real creature mm-hmm. but a lot of the time um a lot of the time it's more or less like myth right yeah and it's 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 an ex- i actually am going to get into this on next week's episode but it's amazing how quickly humans can turn something, you know, weird, but ultimately mundane mm-hmm. into something supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Because um, also, uh, like, the Yeti, as well, mm-hmm. is actually, like, a name for, like, the, it's, it's like a catch-all name for a monster. Gotcha. And a lot of the times it takes the form of a bear, because a bear will screw you right up. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like, I feel like as a culture, we underestimate bears. hmm Oh, no, bears are, uh... Like, uh, a lot. I mean, there's
2: a reason that when something is very difficult, people will say, oh, that's a bear. Yeah. And that's because bears will fuck you up.
1: They will. They absolutely will. <clears throat> the, um... Like, I mean, the next time, if you ever go to a zoo uh just just look at the musculature of those bears oh have you ever seen a hairless bear yes it's a nightmare it is a nightmare it is an absolute nightmare yeah bears are nightmares without hair they're also nightmares with hair but that's a whole nother thing they're just general nightmares polar bears are scary
2: Oh yeah. Well, the other thing is because of their white fur. If you ever see a picture of one after it attacks something, it's all covered in blood. You're like,
1: oh, that's fucked. There's some metal. They're they're metal bears. I'll yeah. tell you that much. Oh yeah. It's not all Coca-Cola drinking. Let me tell you. <laughs> they, they they get high on sugar and that's it. Yeah. You don't do not give a polar bear a Coca-Cola. Do don't just don't. <laughs> It never ends.
2: <laughs> oh. So Nikolay uh, later set a reward for anyone who could show him evidence of such a creature. He was pointed towards a temple that had one on display and promptly concluded that it was a bear stuffed with straw. Uh.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, that's about right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Russian pediatrician Ivan Evlov uh, who reported observing uh, an Almus family group from a distance of a half a mile had collected numerous Mongolian stories of interactions with the Almus, including reports by Mongolian children that they had played with Almus children and that they were not afraid of them.
1: So is this like the Sasquatch situation, where Sasquatch was the name of like a Native American Indian tribe or something like that? No. Because that's kind of what yeah wow so these this... stories are different from
2: a very specific story that that we're gonna get into
1: yeah i'm i scrolled down a little bit and i'm a little bit befuddled by what i'm seeing oh
2: i'll attempt to give context uh but i don't I think do that's gonna attempt. be
1: possible <laughs> i i le- like i'm letting you guys know i legitimately don't think there's any way that this is going to contextually make sense because <laughs> based on what you've told me <laughs> Based on what you've told me so far, this is such a leap from kind of hairy guys to well, let let's let, let me let yeah. me not let me not steal your thunder. So,
2: at first, I wasn't going to include this because I, we I feel like we talk about them a lot, but I still watched the episode and it was so crazy that I felt that it should be included. And and what I'm talking about is <clears throat> our friends at Destination Truth uh, beat me to the punch, uh, to this, uh, yet creature yet again. And as my other sources are slightly more reputable, uh, I figured why not get the modern version of the monster into the VIX before I go into the debunking portion. Yeah. Um, they start by calling it the Siberian snowman. Unlike the prior descriptions, they claim that it is nine feet tall and leaves fifteen inch footprints and wears animal skins for warmth.
1: So they, they took away the one they took away the role for cryptid that Henry Zabrowski could play. Yeah. And then they turned around and said, Hey, hey, listen. Ben. We know you. We know you have so many Sasquatch roles. Here's one more Sasquatch role.
2: They completely changed it right off the bat. I mean, they did that for all of them. To be fair, they completely changed the morphology of of every cryptid that they've done. I'm beginning to
1: think that they're not trying to tell you the truth. Like, I'm beginning to think they're just pure entertainment. No, they're.
2: It's not even entertainment. They're all business. They, they 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 get right to work. And to prove that, um when the show opens, they start by traveling to Moscow and quickly discover that vendors sell stacks of counterfeit money at booths on the street okay. and then their cameramen uh plural their cameramen plural breakdance in the middle of Red Square.
1: Why? Like why? I that's the thing that that that's not even the thing that got me the most surprised about the the next, like, couple of minutes of this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why are they doing that? Because like, um, I can see the Kremlin in the background. Yeah, or not, not not the Kremlin. That's the Royal. Uh, I don't
2: know the name of the building, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's they... the one
1: with the it's the one on Tetris.
2: So the cameraman put the camera on himself and did say that ever since he was growing up, he wanted to be a b boy and used to break dance, and that his dream was to break dance at Red Square. So he started break dancing, and then the other cameraman just joined in. Well, you know,
1: like professionals. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the thing that's got me concerned. Maybe not concern, but I'm wondering about this individual (laughs) because why? Why is their dream to breakdance in the middle of Red Square? I don't know. That might have been a thing. Uh, I don't know. I've never
2: into like b boy stuff.
1: Like. (laughs)
2: Oh Blake. man. Rapid Googling.
1: Like Breakdancing on Red Square, Russian March at Red Square, Bagpipes and Breakdancing in Moscow Underground. None of this Red Square Dance dot Ko za I don't know what that is. <laughs> Energizing yeah. Red Square dance competition. I guess there's a dance competition. Also Okay, okay. Wow, that's... That's some website <laughs> design. Uh, First launched May 2015, the Red Square Dance Competition focuses on expanding growth chances while motivating dance crews and individual dancers to aim for more professional and higher-level performances. The competition is Red Square's thumbs-up response to the dance craze that has seen most young people throughout South Africa using the art form as an outlet to express themselves. Okay, so this is in South Africa. So this is not even remotely related... <laughs> <laughs> to what i was just looking up yeah uh
2: i couldn't tell you why Cause he wanted is... to break dance in red square
1: <clears throat> this is this is okay koda and NZ... okay koda z a okay there's a there's a square dance club in moscow
2: there might have been a group that did like a music video and they danced in red square or something like that and inspired him as a child that's my best guess though i, you know I what? don't
1: know you know what? There was a group that did do a dance in a in Red Square, Brandon.
2: Really? Who was it? I that? just
1: found it. I just found it. Um, I believe it was uh uh the Russian military. <laughs> oh
2: no! Oh man, this is that. Oh god. Okay. For for a half second, I thought they were gonna just start dancing, but turns out, nope. <laughs> <sighs> oh they yeah. uh they then go to <laughs> they then go to the Darwin museum and speak with someone who claims that they have seen the Almus many times and knows where footprints may be found they that was maybe a few seconds they then fly to nova Sub- Sebrisk uh where uh,
1: all the children have guns. Yep. No, that's normal. That seems like a normal day in either Russia or America. Yeah, yeah. They, they like toddlers, like they've just got... <clears throat> you say that, but I, I can guarantee that I've seen Facebook baby pictures. Oh, with uh, guns? Yeah. With guns in our area. Like, yeah. Like, I can guarantee that there are people that we went to high school with who have taken pictures of their children oh, with guns. Oh, no. That seems
2: irresponsible. Yeah. Uh <laughs> from from there. They go to a train station. Also, these there's I got pictures of all this in the notes if uh yeah, are two dollar um, patrons.
1: Yeah, it's listen, I I recommend looking at it because quite frankly, it's slightly upsetting. The middle picture of the children with the guns is probably the most upsetting to me. Because they, yeah. they, they have two separate guns akimbo. <laughs> Which, um, given the age of that child, who can be no more than 10, like, at the oldest, um, their motor skills are not quite there yet, man. No. And that, that's the most concerning part for yeah. me, because those are semi-automatic guns. Yeah. Actually, they might even be full auto. I, th- I, it think, looks... I think the one on the left is full auto. Yeah, because it does look like it has one of those, like, magazines that... That uh, just pushes out bullets. Yeah. Who so. knows? Maybe
2: he's the uh, the Russian child, Vash the Stampede.
1: <laughs> From there? I, I do believe yeah. Vash had uh, hand pistols and not yes. fully automatic guns. He also had a boot knife that was pretty cool. He also had, like, oh, like, didn't he have, like, robotic arms or something? Well, yeah, his one hand... Was,
2: was like could turn into a shotgun because it was a robot and then yeah. his other hand uh, his body would transform into like a giant magical laser cannon
1: yeah anime's fun <laughs> <laughs> from
2: there they go to a train station um that takes them to barnall then to the bartine mountains okay they meet with a woman who claims to have seen the almis uh, They make fun of her cooking Okay And then enjoy some and throat singing
1: Let's not punch down
2: Yeah let's not Punch down <laughs> She tells them That if they need To find it They
1: need to go High up onto the mountains And onto a glacier I think they- I think she's leading them On a uh, On a wild goose chase Because they made fun Of her cooking
2: I That thought Also crossed my mind While watching the episode Because they were Not nice <laughs> Uh, they don full ice mountain climbing gear and tie themselves together as they attempt to scale what some would call an extremely mild incline.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. like I- I'm imagining um, that scene from from uh, from South Park where they're like talking about global warming and they all tie themselves yeah. together. And like they're way they're way overdressed for it, and they all just like pass out three steps yeah. down the sidewalk.
2: I would to give no one but you any context. The hill um, out back of our high school cafeteria was yeah. about twice the steepness of the hill they were attempting to climb.
1: And that was an easy hill to climb. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to go up and down it a whole bunch, but <laughs> like... I think we did go up and down it a whole bunch for like endurance training and gym class once yeah like once (laughs) like
2: it wasn't so so i mean they they (laughs) just it was ridiculous seeing it on on the on tv night falls and they surround the area with a sarcastic amount of night vision and thermal cameras (laughs)
0: like like this is in
2: the later seasons so they had more of a budget and and they like when it seemed like they put out so many, it seemed like it was a parody of this type of show. Like the the, the extent of which they were like just covering the area.
1: <laughs> so how many um, uh so how many night vision and thermal cameras do you have? Three hundred. Why? What do you mean why? You yeah. need three hundred. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever caught literally anything on any of them? That's why they need three hundred. Yeah, well, because every time, every time that they don't catch something, they buy another one because they're like, "Well, this one's this one sucked, but well, we might as well use them. We got them." Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, now, given the amount of cameras they had, they did find no Amis yet. But in the middle of a uh, a sequence where it was a lot of like close up shaky camera footage where they were doing like it's it so clear they're sort of trying to like insert some drama where there wasn't any at all it was like a what's that there's something in the woods shoot uh trying to make it look like they seemed something their their demeanor their demeanor is very funny their demeanor suddenly changes from performing to that there's fear to real actual fear as they realize that the almost tracks that they were following uh became (laughs) several sets of tracks that they quickly realized they are uh Legit in the middle of a wolf pack. Amazing. Uh they show actual panic and uh real creatures in the night vision. They That's... are they, they were wolves. Good.
1: <laughs> so please tell me that the wolves ate them.
2: The, the wolves did not eat them, but you could like it was very funny because I was quickly like, oh, what was that? And then like quickly, like he they stop and you can see like they, they're not breathing when they don't have to, trying to listen. Their pupils, like, dilate a little. It, Like it goes to real fear. Like, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, it's multiple foot tracks. And then they go, oh, shit, we're in, a, we're in the middle of a wolf pack. <laughs> <laughs> like... Well, <laughs> And then, like, it's a lot of radioing, like, hey, guys,
1: let's everyone get back to pace. <laughs> There's wolves. <laughs> so it wasn't a one-man wolf pack.
2: Is what you're no, about. no, it wasn't a one man wolf pack. Okay. Uh they return to the town and speak with another eyewitness. Her name is Helena. Uh mm-hmm. she was awoken one night uh by some sounds, and then she begins to describe what I would call a
1: peeping tom looking through her window. Okay. Um so it was probably a peeping tom, right?
2: That's what Mike. she was saying it was the Almas. I'm saying she was just trying – like, it was outside with his hands up, like, looking through the window at her. And in my head, that's, uh, like, hairy pervert, not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, uh, cryptid. mm -hmm. Um, So the team decides to pursue the creature in a tank. Uh,
1: Can you repeat that? Because that –
2: so the team decides to pursue the creature in a tank.
1: Sure. So sure.
2: Th- there is something I like to say. She wasn't saying I was just awoken by this creature. She was telling a story from the past. So they go to find it in a tank. Uh, I assume this is because you can easily rent Cold War-era equipment, and I emphasize easily uh, because clearly they were not told how easy overheating the engine is and ended up stranded in the tundra and built a snowman while waiting for the tank to become operational again.
1: Wow! (laughs) Also, that's the single worst snowman I've ever seen in my life.
2: Yeah, it's a real bad snowman. Like...
1: (laughs) It's really, really terrible. And it's also hilarious to me that the engine was, let's be honest, so poorly built that it overheated in the tundra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's next level poor heat management, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like,
2: yeah. I mean, it has... the shots they were showing of it driving, it seemed pretty clear that they were doing a lot of, like, Driving as fast as they can and trying to make stuff look cool, and they probably did that for a few hours and then just overheated. <laughs> Very good. Uh, <clears throat> they set up eight cameras and a slew of perimeter sensors to try to capture this pervy beast. Um, they they that was the end of the show. They didn't find anything. Nice. Yeah, uh, eh, that was it. Oh, they did find um, fur when they were out there and DNA testing uh proved that it was from an ibex.
1: Yep. Well, that's so, not surprising to me cuz yeah. I think in that in Siberia, right? That's where they are.
2: Yeah, yeah. There should they, be ibex
1: they... in Siberia. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean they found it right before they realized they were they found basically a slaughter like a kill site and then they were <laughs> found the wolves. <laughs> it's how that the timeline for that worked
1: out. Okay, so you mean to tell me that wolves killed probably one of their num- their primary food sources in the area in Ibex. Oh, yeah. and Ibex. Yeah they found some fur <laughs> at a kill site of aforementioned Ibex. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, sounds like famous... it, be, it Sounds like it could yeah. be it sounds almus to me. Probably an almus.
2: The uh the most famous almus story Is of Zana. This one dates from the 1880s.
1: You're telling me that the Destination Truth story is not the most famous story? Because it sounds like they found a lot of stuff.
2: No, they did not. Uh, I had actually known a little bit about this one before doing the research. Mm -hmm. And the following account is paraphrased uh, by the International Center uh, from hominology... Uh, from a work by Russian, invest, uh, Russian investigators Igor Burtsev and Dmitry Bayanov and uh, Alexander Meshtonatsev and Boris Porshnev. Por- Por- There's a lot. So of them.
1: that's like that's like the Avengers of Russian sounding names. Yeah, <laughs> like it's as though you got you said, all right, we need an elite squad. What do we need to do? You have to have the most Russian sounding name possible. Alexander, get over here. Igor, yeah. we need you. Dimitri, don't think you're getting out of this. <sighs> oh. Boris, put down that potato and get over here. Yeah, it's just. And
2: Boris. He's just. He, he's not the sharpest one of the uh,
1: Avengers group. <laughs> uh. He's got some borscht. He's got lots of He makes. Of his skill is, he brings to the table he making some good borscht. Surprisingly yeah. good. Like <laughs> he could probably be a chef. Mm-hmm. But they pulled him away from his work.
2: Yeah. They have they have a seasoning that makes things more bland. hmm He's mm-hmm. very good at it.
1: He's yeah. phenomenal.
2: <laughs> oh, they collected uh over a hundred accounts Of local myth of the creature and, uh, of the capture and taming of an Almas woman, Mm. who surprisingly is credited with having four children by a human father and one son named Quit, who died in 1954. Okay,
1: so she's a human, because that's not how anything works. The manner of her capture is vague. Yeah, it sounds like it.
2: Probably she had already changed hands by sale when she came to the property of the ruling prince, D.M. Akba, who uh, was the titular head of the Zadgan region.
1: Well, I think we're going to have to put a human trafficking uh, content warning at the top of this episode, because that's what this is. She passed into the possession of one of his vassals. This is making me feel very gross.
2: (laughs) Memed. Chelokua, and she later was presented to a nobleman, Edgi Genaba, who visited the region. He took her away, still shackled and chained, to his estate to the village of Tikna on the Makva River, 78 kilometers from Sukumi, the capital of Ekbaza. Of
1: That's a lot of hands that this woman tra- was transferred through. Yeah... Like I mean Almus, it's an almus, okay, it's an almus uh, yeah, sure i'm i I don't agree, I think she's just a woman who's been basically trafficked through multiple rich people's hands, but that's just me,
2: no, she's the most famous
1: almus mhm or or she's just you know a victim of human trafficking. Which seems way more
2: likely. At first Ganaba lodged her in a very strong enclosure and nobody ventured in to give her food, for she acted like a wild beast. So it you mean to tell me her.
1: you you mean to tell me that a person who's being trafficked doesn't want reacts negatively towards her captors.
2: I wouldn't say that. I would say she dug herself a hole in the ground and slept in it for the first three years. She lived in this wild state gradually becoming tamer. After three years, she was moved to a wattle fence enclosure under an awning near the house. Tethered at first, but later she was let loose to wander about.
1: She's literally being treated worse than a slave.
2: However, she never went far from the place where she received food. Yeah, this this is, uh, this, this almas isn't being treated well at all.
1: This is horrible. This is like one of the worst things we've described on this podcast
2: she could not endure warm rooms and the year round uh in any weather slept outdoors in a hole that she made herself under the awning
1: i mean i kind of understand the hole because like you can't get snuck up on if you're if you're sleeping in a hole yeah like if you have a bunch if you view everyone around you as enemies generally speaking placing yourself in a position where you can't be Ambush is a good one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Her skin was black or dark gray, and her whole body covered with reddish-black hair. The hair on her head was tousled and thick, hanging mane-like down her back. She could not speak. Over the decades uh, that she lived with the people, Zana did not learn a single Akbaz word. She so... only made inarticulate sounds and mutterings.
1: But... Were they inarticulate because they didn't understand the human speech that was coming out of her mouth? It's an Almas. Who's to say
2: Almas versus uh, just a person speaking a different language?
1: This is making Uh. me very upset for this woman. I feel very bad for Zana. But
2: she reacted to her name, carried out commands given by her master, and was scared when he shouted at her.
1: I mean, if, if anyone shouted at me, I would be scared too.
2: And this, despite the fact she was very tall, massive, and broad, with huge breasts and buttocks and muscular arms and legs, and fingers that were longer and thicker than human fingers. She could splay her toes widely and move the
1: big toe. That's okay. Cool. I There's definitely people, human beings who can do that. And also, wasn't the Almas originally small... Like, we were talking about a Henry Zabrowski type.
2: Yeah. Well, this one's an actual... Human. Almus, so this is the real... what? How you... The real Almus.
1: The, the No, what you're saying is this is an actual human. From remembered descriptions given <sighs> to Masha
2: Tev and Portionev, her face was terrifying. Broad with high cheekbones, a flat nose turned out, nostrils, muscular jaw, wide mouth, and large teeth in low forehead, and eyes of a reddish tinge. Uh, but the most frightening... Feature was her expression, which was purely animal, not human. See, Almas. But. Sometimes she would give a spontaneous laugh, bearing those white teeth of hers. And later, uh, were so strong that she easily cracked the hardest walnuts. But.
1: Nothing. Her face her description of her face in the picture that's in this makes me think she's just a woman of African descent.
2: Um, that is a real drawing of her in the image up top is of her son. Uh, that's just how the Almas look, John.
1: but I'm feeling very upset. This, this has got me extremely upset. I am super not okay with this. She lived for
2: many years without showing any change. No gray hair, no failing teeth, keeping strong and fit as ever. Her athletic power was enormous. She could outrun a horse and swim across the mild Macav- Mokhval River, uh, even when it rose violent at a high tide. Seemingly without effort, she lifted with one hand an 80 kilo sack of flour and carried it uphill from the watermill to the village. It- she climbed trees to get fruit and to gorge herself with grapes and would pull down a whole vine. Uh, growing around the tree. She this ate just, whatever. Yeah,
1: this just sounds like a person who's being made to do a lot of physical labor, so they're good at physical stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, she loved wine and uh, was allowed her fill. After which, she would sleep for hours in a swoon-like state.
1: A lot of people like wine.
2: Yeah. A lot
1: of people like alcohol.
2: Yeah. Uh, she liked to lie in a cool pool. Uh, by the side of buffaloes, and at night she used to roam the surrounding hills. She wielded big sticks against dogs and on other perilous occasions. She had a curious obsession for playing with stones and knocking one against the other to split them.
1: So she's a geologist.
2: Yeah, she took swims year round and uh, uh, was naked even the, in the winter. Uh, let's. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes she went into the house, uh, this is but the women a- were afraid and came near her only when she was in a gentle mood. When angry, she presented uh, a scary sight and could even bite, but she obeyed her master, uh, and who knew how to bring her to heal.
1: That's upsetting.
2: Adults used her as uh, a bogey figure with children, although Zana
1: never actually attacked any of the children. Not surprising, because she's a normal human yeah. being who's being, uh, frankly, abused. And treated as subhuman. Uh,
2: the almus was trained to perform simple domestic tasks such as grinding grain and flour, bringing home firewood or water or snacks uh, from the watermill, uh, or pour or to pull her master's high boots off. So that's the uh, story of Zana, the most famous almus. Some additional info um, is that Zana is said to have had sexual relations with a man in the village. Uh, named Edgi Genaba, so, and gave birth to a number of children, apparently human and normal in appearance. Uh,
1: Edgi, isn't Edgi her quote-unquote master, though? Like, I'm yeah. literally looking a couple paragraphs up. Yeah. This is gross.
2: Yeah, th- these are from different sources. So one actually tells you what Edgi was, and the other one just says he is a guy from the village. Um, several died in infancy. Uh... The father, meanwhile, gave away four of the surviving children to a local family. Two boys, uh, Dun- Zonda and quit. Uh, uh, two girls, Kadzar and Gamasa, uh, who were assimilated into normal society, married and had families of their own. Zana died in 1890. Well, um, she was
1: captured in what? Eight Sometime in the 1880s? Yeah. yeah. If I was in a situation where I was jeez louise that's bad
2: yep so the she, images uh, above are of her children uh so the story was real and she did have children and uh there was dna testing
1: this one kind of looks like henry Manzukis, uh we not henry uh jason Manzukis. the the oh her son quit yeah the one her son t- yeah her son kind of looks like jason Manzukis. <laughs> Which Brian is a Sykes, compliment.
2: Which is a compliment, yes. Uh, Brian Sykes, professor of human genetics uh, at the University of Oxford, has carried out DNA tests on saliva samples taken from descendants of Zana, uh, the so-called wild woman, captured in the late t- 19th century in southern Russia, who locals believe was the Amisty Professor Sykes's research. Um has yielded a remarkable result, and that is Zana's ancestry was 100% sub-Saharan African. Oh, I'm so surprised. I'm shocked. She was most probably uh, a slave brought to the region by the ruling Ottomans.
1: Yeah, I am shocked. See this? This is my shocked face. I could have told you (laughs) that just based on the story. It's like beat for beat, like Mm -hmm. every form of story about sub-Saharan slavery except they called her an Almas because for whatever reason, they were afraid to call her a slave.
2: I think they might've actually thought she was an Almas. It's possible,
1: but that's there. still really, which gross. doesn't,
2: which one no, does not make anything.
1: Any, better. no, if <laughs> anything, <laughs> it makes it worse.
2: Yeah. Um, to answer the riddle and establish what species she belonged to. Professor Sykes had tested samples from six of, uh, Zana's living descendants, he has also recovered DNA from a tooth taken from the skull of one of her sons. Quit. Uh, such work is highly specialized, and Sykes was the first geneticist ever to extract DNA from ancient bone. Um, but the big surprise in Sykes' uh, results was that Zana's DNA was not Caucasian at all, but African. Quit's tooth sample confirms her maternal uh, African ancestry in the saliva. I'm assuming they're doing it, it, it's they're talking for maternal. Ancestry, yeah. they're taking mitochondrial DNA, yeah. Um, and the saliva test of the six living descendants uh, show that they all contain African DNA in the right proportions for Zana to have been genetically 100% sub-Saharan African.
1: Huh. That's that's surprising. That I get, I get why these types of things are done, but at the same time, I feel like it's like almost a waste of good science. <laughs> because just a simple yeah. like me reading that and thinking okay uh what's a ra- more rational explanation for this horrible thing that's happening to this woman oh okay yeah probably slavery yeah uh it's so gross mm-hmm. uh
2: the final case uh is from around 1941 shortly after the German invasion of the USSR. A wild man was captured somewhere in the, uh, Caucasus, uh, by detriment from the red army. He appeared human, but was covered in fine dark hair. Interrogation revealed his apparent inability to speak. And the creature is said to have been shot as a suspected German spy.
1: Okay. So that kind of sounds to me. Like a hairy Polishman just got uh got <laughs> caught by the Russians. Cause I if you look at me, I am covered in fine dark hair everywhere. <laughs> and if I was somehow uh basically naked in the middle of uh Russia, I would definitely I mean, that's what be I call ugly. a good Tuesday. Huh? <laughs> that's what I call a good Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, you know. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> but I would definitely be unwilling to
2: speak. Yeah. They know Well, especially if I didn't speak the same language.
1: Yeah. I might yeah. just yell at them. Mm-hmm. That might be funny. Yeah. Uh,
2: as far as what the almis may be, I'm leaning towards uh, Nicolay's findings of a misidentified bear. Uh, he wrote that... All the stories we heard were all a pack of fables, and the uh, narrators, after listening to my assurances that the creature was none other than a bear, declared that the Kung Gersu never showed itself to people, and that the tracks alone were occasionally seen by huntsmen. This bear, whose skin I now saw, stood four feet high, its muzzle protruding, the head of the forepart of the body a dirty white color, and the back darker. The paws were almost black, the hind feet long and narrow, and the claws about an inch long, blunt and of a dark color. Unfortunately, I could not make uh, more accurate measurements uh, or examine it more carefully for fear of exciting suspicion. Um, this, again, is the bear back at the temple that they told him was mm-hmm. a, a Almas. Um yeah. The following spring, as we returned from Kokonor to the Chubosin, uh one morning, uh, on the borders of a forest in Kansu, we saw one of these bears in the wild in, and engaged in catching uh, alpine hares. We went towards it, but it ran off, and although pursued by our dogs, uh, it never turned to bay. We fired several long shots uh, after the bear, but only wounded it. And to our extreme regret, it got off. The one of Ooh. the Kokonor... Uh, I don't feel like reading this. Basically, long story short, he saw a bear, and it, it was <laughs> the same same bear that was at the temple.
1: So, um, yeah. now, did the bear just get off on danger? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I would <laughs> I would be extremely regretful. If I it was, it was like the
2: masturbating bear from uh, Conan that they used to have. Oh, but it, it, they're hunting rabbits in the forest, and then the bear just ran, crested the hilltop it's hands doing things to itself. And it just went witness me. And then it ran off after they shot
1: at it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Then the Coyote Peterson came. (laughs) Watch me steam myself. I got a bullet in and I'm not afraid to use it.
2: Um, I think that these sightings may have been of an adolescent Comcha bear. Adults stand at 2.4 meters tall, 7.8 feet, Mm -hmm. and the creatures live in the area but prefer coastal regions and may stand or even walk for a short distance on their hind legs and their backs have a small hump. Uh, Europeans were surprised by the number of the bears uh, in this region, and uh, it's not beyond reason that an adolescent might be mistaken for a hominid at they a distance. They also
1: might be mistaken for a Roosevelt.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they got that Roosevelt hump. They got that Roosevelt hump. Mm-hmm. Uh alternatively, the the Siberian brown bear may also be a candidate, but it is um they they're closer to the description of a grizzly bear, so they imagine it would be harder to be mistaken as a
1: human. I like the I like the picture of the Camacho bear you have there. Because he just yeah. looks like he looks like he's a middle-aged man who's just done with everything. I intentionally picked that <laughs> picture because like, there's a lot
2: to choose from. That's why I went with it. Because like he he's
1: got, went, he, he's just sick of the shit. That's what he tired. looks like. <laughs> I, I can I can see myself in that yeah. in that Komachi bear. Yeah, like it's the most human-looking bear. Like you look
2: at him, and it's clearly like. He's just done. He's he, just tired. He's sick he of this shit. He humanity.
1: He understands yeah. us. Yeah. He sat through one too many meetings too. Yeah. It's okay. The, I know. Uh,
2: so, did you ever read 1984? Of course. So that room, uh, what was it? Room 101. That they they uh, do all the torture in. Yeah. That the reason why the torture happened in that room is because the uh the author wor- did work for for the BBC and that was the room where they had all the meetings. <laughs> so he named the torture room after his meeting room.
1: <laughs> That's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, meetings are the worst. Absolute yeah. worst, especially if you're in a if you're in a field that has contract work, mm. meetings are the worst thing in the world. Because half the meeting is people arguing about what the contract means. And the other half of the meeting is prying, people trying to weasel out of work because the contract doesn't explicitly say something. <laughs> that's true. That, that's, I hate – There's we have too
2: many meetings. I, I I just wanted to, like, just get work done. I don't like <laughs> this – Sitting and then arguing isn't necessarily the right word for a lot of it, but, like, going over, like, all this other tedious stuff where I, I, I much prefer to, like, give me two weeks, I'll do a bunch of work, and then let's have a meeting at the end of that. And then we'll base our, our discussion off of this and see how we can change or modify it to fit the contract or, or – instead of all that crap of – I don't know. That just, calls just with customers. I hate calls with customers because you can't – you have to be nice.
1: Yeah, you do. That, like... <laughs> it's unfortunate, but you do.
2: Yeah. Because, like, it, it, the nice thing at, at, at work is that you can be... This is going to be the worst end to any episode. <laughs> it's just us, but you have meetings. Long story short is, like, you can, like, have... Meetings can get very... uh uh Once you're out of the meeting room, everyone's back to normal, basically. So it can get, like, tense... And then, you know people, you know people say it's, you know that's dumb and, and all that. Shit, yes, you know, yelling at people. I will like say it, that. It, it, I like that. Like once you're out of the meeting room, you know, you know, give someone five minutes, and then you're out of the meeting room, and, and it's done with. You. Even if you're just like had a very heated. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
1: Sometimes I never get out of that meeting room. <laughs> Anywho, I, I think that's uh, enough uh, talking about meetings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so some general plugs uh our website is cryptopediacast.com um
2: on Insta- I can't think
1: of a worse ending <laughs> no there's literally no possible worse ending we have to end it though because because
2: we have, to, we have to end it But I just can't think of anything uh, worse We, we like...
1: literally could not have ended it worse Than talking <laughs> about mutants <memes.
2: laughs>
1: um, Also Don't google Zana the Alma Because that's also super upsetting There's yeah. some very upsetting Images on the internet Um, So let's leave you with that uh, yeah. So as I was saying Our website is CryptopediaCast.com All the oh. links that we're about to lay down are there Um, On Instagram and Twitter, we're at CryptopediaCast. Um, If you want to email us, you can reach us at CryptopediaCast at gmail.com or us at CryptopediaCast.com. We have a Patreon, which should be in the show notes. Uh, We have a Facebook group. We post a lot of stuff to that Facebook group, mostly uh, us talking about our research, um, me posting whatever terrible internet video I'm watching today. Um... (laughs) If you like the podcast, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and you know, um sign any sacrificial contact, contract contracts you need to get us more notoriety. Um if you have any monster requests or stories you want to tell, feel free to send to them send them to us at the links we mentioned above. Um if you have any creepypasta or cryptopasta, I probably won't read it. Um <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. Uh you could find me on Instagram at donkey underscore hands, my website is boyerb dot com. My email is Brandon at Cryptopediacast.com and my Twitter is at Crypto Brandon Capital C Capital B.
1: Um as always my Instagram is at U twenty fifty seven, my Twitter is at JF Dunham, and my now functioning website is John com. Woo! We got a functioning website again. Yeah, that took forever. <laughs> I ended up I I it took forever. That's all I'm gonna say. Um if you want to email me, it's John at Cryptopediacast dot com. There's also a link to that on my website. Our art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him
2: on Instagram at Thomas Michael Hill. His website is greater com, and his
1: email is hill at gmail dot com. As always, I'm John. I'm Brandon. And I'm going to need you to come in on Sunday.